glory, God. We have triumphed. Let's give the Lord a hand. Father, we thank you that we have the victory through the blood of Jesus upon the cross, through the resurrection. You've given us power, authority, and dominion. And we praise you for that. We thank you for that. We give you all of the praise, the glory, and the honor. In the precious name of Jesus, and everybody said, you can be seated. Good to see all of you here today. Honey, come on up here. My lovely wife is going to help me with this service. Good to have all of you here, especially all of our visitors that are with us. For all of you visitors, lady making the announcements and then the gentleman doing the offering, that's our uh, youth pastors. And so all of you visitors, we have an exciting youth program every Wednesday at 630. And then the children's ministry is really exciting too. So if you are a visitor here and you don't have a church, stay where you are. We would love to have you as part of our church. We have a good time here. So don't we have a good time? Amen. Are you all ready? You're going to, yes. you're going to do it with me today. Yes. Hey, listen, uh, before I do that, I want us, uh, all of you visitors, uh, probably know if you're into the Word of God, we need to pray for those people that are in authority. And uh, sometimes I have a problem with the people that are in authority because they don't act like they know what they're doing. And uh, so so it's my constitutional right to help correct them spiritually and pray for them. We've been given the authority to bind and to loose. And occasionally people in the White House and places like that, just they, they don't do exactly what I think they should do. Right now, there are atrocities happening all over the world, and the Christian faith is under attack. No question. All faiths are under attack somewhere or another, but there is no question there is an acceleration of attacks against the Christians, especially in the Middle East, where they are wiping out century-old churches uh, physically, all uh, just destroying everything that has to do with Christ. And... uh, So far, our president really hasn't uh, uh, spoken up like he should for the Christian faith. I do not believe, and uh, I believe he needs to. And we need to pray for our president, and we're going to pray for him in just a moment. And we we have the power to bind and loose. Tell that person next to you, we have the power to bind and loose. When things go forth that you do not think they're correct, you need to speak it up, and you need to speak it up spiritually. America is a Christian nation devoted to Christ, to be a light to the entire world, and that anyone of any faith or no faith is welcome here. And that just because we have people of different faiths or of no faith does not change God's mandate on this nation. And I bind any words of any leader who tries to say that we are no longer a Christian nation and loose the power of God. We are a Christian nation where people can say whatever they want. I received this from Focus on the Family, and I really uh, like it. So uh, let's watch this. Hi, I'm Stuart Shepard. This is Stoplight. The president has said a lot of things that made me think. In the United States, Our motto is E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one. But there's one thing he said that keeps coming back to me. I I keep pondering this. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. And then he goes on to make what I call the demographic argument. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation. The argument that not everybody is a Christian, therefore, you know. Of course, there's never been a time when everybody was Christian in the U.S., and obviously that's not what anybody ever meant by saying this is a Christian nation. 
That got me thinking, maybe it would be helpful if the president took a little walk. He could head out from the White House and start by walking out to the Washington Monument. Washington was a man of prayer. Among the many items placed in the cornerstone here is a Bible. And, and up at the top is an aluminum cap with these words engraved on the east side. That's Latin for praise be to God. That means every morning, the first thing to be touched by the rays of the sun in D.C. is an expression of worship. Then he could head up to the Lincoln Memorial. He could read the 16th president's words on the wall. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we're in. And this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. Then he could walk beside the reflecting pool and, and cross the tidal basin to the Jefferson Memorial. Right there on the wall, he'd see how Jefferson refers to God as the holy author of our religion. And he also says, God who gave us life gave us liberty. From there, he could walk east past the Smithsonian to the Capitol. You know, Thomas Jefferson attended church services here in the Capitol when he was president. Church services, you know, the, the kind that talk about Jesus. They were held here for 50 years. And sometime when the president is delivering the State of the Union address, he might take a moment to look behind him, because above his head, he'll see this, in God we trust. And as he walks back home, he might picture the path he just took. Here, look at this diorama at the Smithsonian. He would have walked from the White House to the Washington Monument, then up to the Lincoln Memorial, and back down to the Jefferson Memorial, uh, to the Capitol, and then back home again. Huh. Look at that. Hallelujah. <laughs> let's take a walk and let's see. Father, we pray for President Obama. We pray for Michelle. We pray for all of his cabinet. We pray for all of them. And Lord, we thank you that this is a Christian nation. We pray that we will have a man who has acknowledged Christ as his Lord and Savior, who will proclaim the gospel. We pray for all of the people, especially in the Middle East, but all around the world, Christians who are being persecuted, people of other faith who are being persecuted. And we thank you for your protection, especially for our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East, but also throughout America. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Good to have you all here. Honey, we're talking about being a person of courage. And uh, if you're a person of courage, uh, of courage, then you can encourage other people. But if you're a person that's discouraged, you're, you're not going to be used too much by, by other people. You know, the word is an encouragement to us, isn't it? So we know that the one we serve is an encourager. Uh, I, I was like Dan as a young person. I, I didn't see God as an encourager. I saw him as uh, someone who was about to get me. My, my great-grandma, she used to say, God's going to get you girls. That's what Dan said. Yeah. <clears throat> God's going to get you girls for the way you treat your mother. Which he could have. <laughs> Which he could have. Because <laughs> we didn't treat her very nice. And, uh, I mean, you know, we were a little rebellious. And so we knew we were guilty. So all the time I was looking... Because I knew my grandma prayed. I thought, oh, I am in big trouble with the big guy, you know, and he's going to get me. Well, that's not, God is not a getter. He's a giver. Everything in the word of God is that he gives. And uh, as, as we be like, as we're like him, we're going to be encouragers. But only if we're trusting in him can we encourage other people. If we're trusting in what we see or what we feel that day, we're not going to be able to encourage other people. How many of you every now and then have a down day? or a day that's not as up as the others, let's just say that. And so you know when you're in those states, you're not maybe as encouraging 
to other people as you would be had you just had a tremendous victory and were ready to tell everybody about how great your God is. Well, have you ever been uh, disappointed? Oh, yeah. Never by me, but I mean no, other people, never things, by you, things of that never nature. Never by that, you. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> Forget the God. If you have your Bible, you can, you can look in the... Uh, um, in uh, uh, Joshua chapter one, we're going to be reading there, and uh, want to uh, want to talk to you about uh, encouragement and courage today. I feel like the the word of the Lord is that if we're not careful, we will allow disappointments to cause us to focus on the wrong thing, and if you focus on a disappointment long enough you will eventually become discouraged. And I'm going to share the definition of discouragement in just a moment, but I don't believe I've ever looked up the word discouragement to see exactly what it meant. And I thought I knew what it meant, but I didn't until I really got in there. Jackie, it's good to see you with us. Give Jackie a hand. She's been fighting a battle for her faith, and she looks absolutely awesome. Hallelujah. Everything okay? Okay. All right. She looks absolutely awesome. Stretch your hands out, and let's just pray that God's going to finish the work that he began. Father, we thank you for Jackie. We thank you for her health that has been restored, and we thank you that she's going to be running the rest of the race with great endurance. Thank you that her love for you is contagious, (laughs) and it just flows to all of us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, in the book of Joshua, where we're going to be reading, uh, God places a very high value on courage. And if you have courage, then you can encourage other people. But if you don't have courage, you are not going to be an encourager wherever you go. And the example, I, I kind of a silly example, but I felt like it dropped in my spirit. Uh, I travel around with jumper cables in my car. And occasionally I'll see somebody with a hood up. I'll see somebody trying to start the car, and I'm able to pull up and say, you, you need a jump? And they say, yeah, and, and just give them a jump, and away they go, and away I go. Without those cables to infuse that power, I couldn't help them at all. And I think all of us want to be used by God to help other people. And that when God spoke to Joshua, and I'm going to paraphrase much of this in Joshua chapter 1, but it's the story of how when when Moses had died, Joshua was being promoted to be the leader. And Joshua, whether he was a little bit uh, concerned about his youth and and all that was uh, taking place, I don't know. But God spoke to him, and God told Joshua what to do. And I'm going to start reading in verse number 6. God said, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore you to to, swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and and be very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do 
according to all that is written, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Four times he spoke to Joshua and said, be courageous, be of courage. And honey, courage is something that I think we know it's there, but I don't know that we ever think much about it. How courageous am I in this situation? You are no different than I am. Your mind has to be focused on something, correct? Uh And that it will go until it focuses. And it can focus on meditating the Word of God, or it can focus on a disappointment. Now, before you say anything, let me see the hands of all the people that you have had some disappointments. If the neighbor doesn't raise their hand, they've probably died. We'll pray for resurrection for them. Uh, we have, let's all say, we've all been disappointed. Yes. We have all been disappointed. But it's how we handle the disappointment. You know, um, I don't like confrontation. How many of you don't care for confrontation? <laughs> and the enemy is a confronter. He will confront you with every reason why what God says isn't going to happen. He's, he confronts you. In other words, uh, you feel threatened. That, that's, that's the result or the emotion that is kindled by threats is, you know, uh, you, you get, get so scared that you sometimes almost can't do anything. What that is is to take your courage, yeah. to take your courage. And so God gave us this word to encourage us. He gave Joshua this word four times because what Joshua was about to do would take great courage or else God wouldn't have said, be strong and of good courage so many times. And if you read the word of God, he may not have said exactly the word courage, but God always was encouraging people that he was calling to confront the devil. You know, it says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. How is that going to happen? Well, we're going to have to be courageous. We're going to have to have courage yeah. in the time when the enemy is confronting. Because our, our fight is really not with flesh and blood, it says in the word, but with powers and principalities. And their intention is to confront and cause us to back up or cause us to run even sometimes. How many of you ever felt like just running away that's when courage is totally gone when you're running the other direction but you know the armor of god covers the front of you but not the back so you know we need to stand in those places and let the courage that god's put in us begin to work it's there even though we may not feel it but we cannot stop disappointment from happening how many of you believe that disappointment disappointment is simply things did not work out the way you had hoped they would, are the way you thought God was going to do it. And that happens in all of our life. And I know in my life, there are some times that I can go to bed and I can feel on top of the world, just absolutely ready to go. Man, it just is, life is awesome. And wake up the next morning and feel like, what, what is going wrong? And many times I will trace it to something that I thought during the course of the night or something that I was thinking when I woke up that was zeroing in on the disappointment that I was facing instead of the promises that God gave me. And when God spoke to Joshua, he said, meditate on the promises. What did I tell you? And then meditate that 
and you will be courageous and you will have success. And it's no different than where we live today. We've got to make ourselves through a disciplined mind, set it on what God said and not move one way or the other. Do we acknowledge disappointment? Certainly we do. We all do. Things have happened to you. Things have happened sometimes to us. And it's like, you know, that was a disappointment, but I'm not going to stay mired in that disappointment. Because if I do, I'm eventually going to become distracted from what God said, and then I'm going to become discouraged. And if I become discouraged, then I lose my courage to go on to do what God said. Does that make sense to all of you? Now, we're going to go into uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And share there because, honey, this is a really powerful story of, of David at Ziklag. And I, have you ever thought about why he went out to battle in the first place? Only because he had to defend along with the Philistines. He yeah. Was, but, he was but, in their territory. R- right. But he always stayed away from attacking Saul. Oh, yeah. He would not say a word. He said, don't. Don't touch Saul. Don't touch Saul. He's God's anointed. Saul was king. David was running from Saul, hiding out with the Philistines. They had let him take a little village called Ziklag. And that's where David lived with his fighting men and, and, and all of their families. And for some reason, and I don't, I don't, I don't have my mind or my a spiritual n- knowledge of why David all of a sudden would change. Because if you really have studied the Bible, especially the Old Covenant, David would never say a bad word about King Saul, even though Saul wanted to kill him. David always lifted up Saul and his position of authority as king. But all of a sudden, the Philistines were going out to war against King Saul. And David, living in that area, decided to join them. And so they were all gathered and encamped and ready to go out and fight against uh, King Saul. But at the last moment, the princes of the Philistines, they they came and and reviewed all of the people there. And they said, hey, this is David. He's a Hebrew. Uh, If this battle turns the wrong way, not the wrong way, (laughs) the right way for them, but if this battle turns and they begin to lose, he could join forces with King Saul. And he sent him back home. And they sent him back home. And uh, David was disappointed, and so was the men. But there was nothing disappointed them more than what happened when they came home. What happened when they got back there? When they came back, all their their children, their wives, not not just a few, all. Everybody say all. Oh. And these men that had been really so connected to David, they were the mighty men, really. They were David's army. They were very committed to him. But at this point, they had lost their wives, their children. They were threatened. The city was burned. And the enemy had attacked them while they were out of their place of guarding that city and the enemy came in how many of you know the enemy does that sometimes he'll come in at unexpected time and he stole from them but the men and it even says in in that part of scripture in first samuel that his whole company of men turned against him and they wanted to stone him because you know he was the leader he was how many of you know as the person up front you're the guy that (laughs) Everybody wants to stone, <laughs> you know. I mean, it doesn't matter. You're the you're the leader, and so he was going to be stoned by these men. But it says what he did. He didn't try to convince them that they were wrong. He encouraged himself. Everybody say encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, when when you can't defend yourself 
in all situations. How many of you have found that out? And so there are times where it's just you and the Lord. But if you will encourage yourself in the Lord, then the Lord is able to speak to you about what to do. And so it says David inquired of the Lord when he was encouraging himself in the Lord, and God showed him what to do. And God said, go after them, pursue, and you will recover all. I'm sure those men were just as mad at him then as they were before, you know, when, when he first had the opportunity. But because he encouraged himself, he was able to do what God asked him to do, and he did recover everything. He recovered all. How, how, many, how many of you have ever had somebody that you thought was close to you turn on you and bring great disappointment? Probably all of us at one time or another. And your faith and your confidence has to be upon the Lord and what does he say and what is he saying. My greatest encourager is my wife. I, you all encourage me, but my greatest encourager is my wife. However... There is a greater encourager than that, and that is the Lord. And uh, we've got to keep our focus there. And I wrote this down when I was praying yesterday. Your thoughts and perception of situations determine your outlook. Your thoughts and perception of situations determine your outlook. Does it look really bad and horrible to you? Then that's exactly the way it will be to you. But what happens, and I just thought about this as you were talking. It said David encouraged himself in the Lord. You either have courage or you have to encourage yourself. And I'm going to give you that definition in just a moment. David was a man of courage. But when he came back to Ziklag and found all of the horrible situation, much like maybe you and I one day wake up and everything is going great, and all of a sudden it seems like all hell breaks loose, and our courage can be drained very quickly. What we have to do is determine, God, I hadn't expected this. I am really disappointed. I don't know what to do. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Other than continue the sentence on, comma, however, I am going to encourage myself in whatever you tell me because I know you're going to show me what to do. That is exactly what God, uh, David did. And all of a sudden, all of those, those men probably knew they didn't know what to do. David didn't know what to do. And they were all probably losing their courage totally. And David said and inquired of the Lord, encouraged himself in the Lord. And God said, pursue and you will recover all. I believe God, or David, was the only person with the answer. And he said to the men, God just spoke to me. We're going to pursue and recover all. Now they have courage to get back and follow that leader again. And that's what we have with the Holy Spirit. If we know what the Holy Spirit says, we, we get back up and we move again. We don't stay down there where that disappointment is. because. And this is not a bad confession, I don't believe. But disappointment is part of life. If you can't handle disappointment, you really can't handle life because life is full of disappointments. However, we don't focus on the disappointments. We focus on what God said. And then once we know what God said, we are encouraged again. We get right back up. We get on that horse. What's that thing I have on my wall in there? I found it at Hobby Lobby. Don't get in the saddle if you don't want it. Well, I'm saying it all wrong. If you, if you can't ride the horse. I don't know. Bring it in, Mark. I got. Uh, we'll we'll it, move on. We'll move on. I lost it. Uh, I shouldn't even brought it up. Anyway, I, well, I'll bring it in. Okay. Okay. You know, uh, I was reminded when when Bill was doing this message of Elijah in First uh, Kings eighteen when he encountered Ahab. You know, and Ahab hated him. He just hated him, and uh, and so he uh, 
took his courage and challenged, everybody say challenged, what, what was really coming against him. He turned on it and he challenged Ahab and said, okay, let's see who God is. Everybody say that takes courage. You know, it took courage because he had to, he had to do that in the face of being killed because Ahab really wanted to kill him. He, he wasn't interested in just hurting him. He wanted to kill him. But what, what he said was, and I thought this is so true. Uh, Elijah said, why, why do you falter? Everybody say falter. Why do you falter between two opinions? There are always two opinions, the thought that's coming to discourage you and the thought that God's given you. And you will falter. What does that mean? You won't be able to, to move if you just stay in that position. You're going to have to choose one or the other. And the, and the devil loves to isolate. He is an isolator because when he isolates us, all of our thoughts are subject to his control because we are locked up. We're, we don't, God can't get through. And so when we get in those positions, Elijah had a choice. He could have just let it all go, but he didn't. He challenged, I believe, discouragement with encouragement, and he went with the opinion that one, and God ended up being glorified in that situation tremendously before all of them. It has been my experience sometimes that people who are really discouraged don't like people that come along and try to encourage them because they kind of feel like you don't understand. And I know that nobody here in their right mind would want to stay discouraged. But sometimes when people get discouraged and you have somebody trying to encourage you, it's like, well, don't you really care how I feel? And it's like, no, we're trying to change how you feel into the realm of the spirit so that you will be encouraged to get back up and move on with what God has for you. And sometimes you really do have to just operate with a little bit of tough love. You can stay down there if you want and be discouraged, but as for me and my house, we're going to move on. We're going to get on a horse and ride off in the sunset. Yeah, what's your saddle say? If you climb in the saddle, be ready for the ride. If, if, if you want to be a Christian and you want to serve God and climb in that saddle, be ready for the ride. Because yep. the devil's going to come against you, and, and almost all of you know what I'm talking about. Before you got saved, you were walking along with the devil, and he wasn't bothering you that much. Once you got saved, all hell broke loose because that horse started a buck. But you got the reins, and you are in control. That doesn't sound right. We're not riding the devil, are we? Well, no. The horse started a buck. (laughs) That didn't even make sense. Can I share a story? A little late now to ask. Okay. (laughs) This will bail you out of whatever you've gotten yourself into there. Um, I don't have the answer for all that. I need a lot of people. <laughs> but I do have this answer because I heard it. Uh, you know, we, for those of you who may be visiting, we were on staff for several years in Tulsa, Oklahoma with uh, Pastors Billy Joe and Sharon Doherty. And about five years ago, Pastor uh, Billy Joe passed. And he was a great man of faith. Uh, we had healing crusades all the time, like on Sunday nights. We didn't wait for a tent. We prayed and had healing services. And uh, when he was in the very end of his life, um, he, his son, who now is the pastor, Paul, uh, was a very young man. At that time, he was only like 24. And, uh, and Sharon, the wife, did take the church for five years, but now Paul is the pastor. And so at that time, Paul wasn't thinking about being the pastor of the church. He wasn't, you know, he just wanted his dad to live. He was 24 years old. He was, he was getting married. You know, he had just finally gotten married. His dad, the last act his dad did was to marry he and his wife, Ashley. 
and uh, and then he passed within just a few days, and uh, and so Paul, his dad, I'm sure was the person he idolized as far as a leader, the one he watched, the one he saw talk about healing, 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 and his dad was dying, and uh, Billy Joe told Paul, "Don't you dare give up on healing ever." What he was saying was what Billy Joe would have always said to us. The word of God's not based on experience. It's based on truth. And it stands on the truth of God, who he is. And it's not about what somebody experiences because we can't explain everything. Well, he said, and he was on TBN the other night, and he was sharing. He said, you know, um, I, I was really um, in a place where I was really devastated to, with the fact that my dad passed. And he said, I, I could not... Uh, even consider praying for healing. He said, I just, when I think about it, I just think I can't do that. I can't do that. Now, he wasn't the pastor of the church at this time, so nobody was really in big jeopardy. But for his life, he was going to have to make a decision, basically, to encourage himself in the Lord. But at that point, he was really struggling. He went to do a crusade in Brazil. And when he got up to do the crusade, he was fine as long as he was preaching. But when it came to healing, everybody say healing which is what that ministry always stood for, right. was healing, believing in healing, just like over at Rhema. I mean, we believe the Word of God. We believe it's truth. And, uh, and so he was in that crusade. And another uh, young man who was actually one of the main people that was having the crusade in Brazil or sponsoring it was a pastor, about 34 years old, and he came up to Paul, and he said, I think tonight we're supposed to pray for healing. And Paul said, uh, I don't think I can do that. He said, Paul, my wife passed away just a couple of months ago from the same thing your father died of. And God is saying, we have to pray tonight for healing. He said, when they did it, that thing blew away, lifted off, never came back again. God has a strange way of encouraging us in the Lord. Let me tell you that. That's what I learned when I heard that testimony, that encouraged him because he saw people. I mean, the healings just broke out everywhere, all over in that crusade. People healed of tumors and things that they could actually know. And, and that encouraged him in the Lord. But he had to step into that place where the anointing of God, everybody say the anointing of God, anointing where of that God. anointing of God could bring that courage up out of the inside of him. And with it, when it came up, it took away all doubt, all fear, all unbelief. Every word of the devil was considered a lie. Amen? So sometimes when God wants to encourage you, he may ask you to do something. And that's not always the easiest thing to do when it's something that you've been threatened in and it looks like you have lost. How many of you have ever been in that place? You know, and, and we all face that. We all face that. And, we, and it has to reach the point when there are just things we don't understand. And, and we just keep right on moving on. I remember the last time I saw Pastor Billy Joe, we were at, uh, at Washington, D.C., Christian United for Israel. And, and he walked in this meeting, and uh, when I saw him at the end of the meeting, I went up and gave him a hug. Good to see you, Bill. Good to see you, Pastor Doherty. Uh, and then I just started crying. I just started weeping and crying. And, and what I heard was, you'll not see him again. And uh, and I apologized to him for crying, and, and, and he and Sharon left, and then shortly after that, he died. And uh, I remember saying, God, I don't understand that. 
and uh, I didn't hear any answer whatsoever. And then I remember saying, God, I just don't understand. I just feel disappointed. Now, this sounds like a, a harsh word, but I believe God is full of love to get us out of where we are. And the word I heard was, get over it. Get over it. And it was like, and I could even hear Billy Joe saying something like that. <laughs> get over it and go on, Bill. It's okay. And uh, so there are things in life that, you know, maybe you haven't experienced one to that extent. Steve Thaw's has experienced it to that extent. He was in the first service. But whatever it is that you're dealing with in that arena, you have to, to get over it. I remember on, on a little bit of a lighter note, it wasn't lighter at the time, but when we started this church many, many years ago, and we, I decided to have a healing service that Sunday evening, and the first guy I prayed for died. <laughs> and it, was, it, it wasn't exactly the way I'd thought about starting the ministry. It's like, would you like to be next? I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 it's kind of funny now, but it, it, at the time it wasn't funny because, uh, well, anyway, I, I want to show you, <laughs> you remember that guy? Yeah, bless his heart. <laughs> there's, a, there's a gentleman uh, that we're ministering to in a, in a jail right now, and it, it, the circumstances that he went into the jail were, were varied, and he might not belong there, but then maybe he did belong there. But regardless of that, he had a lot of problems, and in the very beginning, he was having a very difficult time in the jail. We started taking him books and praying for him and visiting with him and everything, and he just told me this last time up there, he said, you know, the greatest thing that's happened to me is they put me in jail because now I got my mind right. I'm focused upon the Lord. I'm not discouraged. I know what's coming. I know where I'm going, and I can't wait to get out to give my testimony, and I believe he's going to give his testimony right here in this church. The, what the enemy, yeah, give the Lord a hand. What the enemy meant for harm, God is turning that thing around and using it for good. Are there disappointments in his life? Yes. And if he went back and visited them, he would become discouraged all over again. And he told me that. But he said, I know now not to visit something that disappoints me. And that's where we all need to get in our walk with the Lord, even though there will be disappointments. Now, I want to give you some definitions here because the word courage means to be alert, to confirm, to be courageous, to be steadfast-minded, steadfast-minded, to be strengthened, established, hardened, increased, strong, and a word sometimes we think as a bad word, but it's actually a good word, to be obstinate. In other words, I know what I know, and I know what God said, and I refuse to think anything else. Keith, you know how to be obstinate, don't you? Glory to God. I've, give Keith a hand. I'm glad you are here. Keith has been part of this church for a long time. He's a good man of God. Uh, to encourage, We did your wedding. That's right. That's when I remember saying, Keith, are you sure you know what you're getting into? I remember that. No, I'm just kidding. I love Marie. Now, now listen to this. Now, that, that's encourage, which, that's courage, which all of us should be able to encourage. To encourage means to give courage, help, and hope. So in other words, we are called by God to give courage to people. We give them courage that we have. It's His courage in us that we share with other people to encourage them. But encourage means just to give hope, encourage, and help. But discouragement is the devil's playground. 
And if you are here and discouraged, that devil is trying to get a stronghold in your mind. And I'm going to show you the definition for discouragement right now, and then we're going to pray for all of you. Discouragement is demonic. Discouragement is dangerous, and it will really take you the wrong direction. Discouraged means to be confused, fearful, to have fear, to be afraid, to be beaten down, to be dismayed, to be to be scared, to be terrified. Honey, those are strongholds of the devil, and we cannot afford for one moment to be discouraged because all discouragement, I know it's, it's very simple, all discouragement is a lack of courage, all and, of it. And disappointment, you know, if, if you can deal with it right at the moment, if, if you can get that courage for that situation, uh, it won't become a stronghold. But the longer you meditate it, yep. the greater hold it gets. Yeah. And then it will manifest itself somewhere in uh, anger, hurt, bitter. It'll come out in some way. But, it, but if you can immediately turn and confront the enemy with courage that my God is able to take care of everything that concerns my life. Yeah. Psalm 138.8 says he'll perfect everything that yep. concerns my life. Because usually the threat is against you or someone you love, yeah. you know, that you feel to protect. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to give you two scriptures as we close and pray. Uh, the first scripture is in John 16.33. And in most of your Bibles, uh, you're going to see the word uh, in some of them. You, you'll see the correct word, what should be the correct word. Uh in John sixteen thirty three, it's uh, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The word cheer in the actual writing of this is the word courage. If you look it up in the concordance. So how this actually reads, Jesus is saying, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good courage. Same thing God spoke to Joshua. Be of good courage. I have overcome the world. We are to be of good courage because Jesus has overcome the discourager. And then in Proverbs 16.3, one of the most powerful scriptures in the whole, whole Bible, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. If you have committed your work, your mind, your spirit to the things of God, he will establish your mind. But if you've allowed your, the devil to play with your mind, which is the campground for the devil, he wants to come up there and, and, and get involved there. But if you've given your mind and your spirit to the Lord, he's going to establish thoughts for you. And we have to take the strongholds of the thoughts that are contrary, cast them out and not, and not dwell on them at all because they will bring us disappointment. You know, and as I was looking up the scripture in First Kings about Elijah, it said, um, when he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? Yeah. His resolution outweighed his reservation. In other words, his determination to prove God yeah. outweighed his fear of what they could do yeah. to him. Are you hearing this? Uh, his desires outweighed his desperation. In other words, the desire to do and be who God called him to be outweighed his desperation of there's no prophet left but me you know that's what he finally said there's nobody left but me i I don't know why honey this morning but uh when you mentioned to me about maybe sharing with you i said lord you're going to have to help me here it's pretty quick and i thought of the roadrunner and wiley coyote (laughs) don't ask me why that popped in my mind that's just the way my little mind works what was it the roadrunner and wiley coyote oh yes 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 his his 
desires <laughs> to catch that thing. I mean, how many times did he get brutalized, you know? So I turned on a video in my office, if anybody heard me. I was cracking up in there because it's like he would do the dumbest thing, but his desire to get the coyote, I mean, the roadrunner, he was he didn't care what happened to him. He just kept going. And I thought, well, God, I guess I can remember that now. I can remember that. You know, God will speak to you with things that really get your attention. That's the kind of desire we have to, it outweighs. It outweighs the what's going to happen to us. I mean, and, and it, you go home and, and you pull that up on your computer, you'll laugh the whole time. Because, I mean, this one, he's back there, he's got this rock, and he's got it t- tied to a tree. And he goes like this, and the road runner goes, Bzzz! He pulls the rock and the tree falls and it's even there. <laughs> I mean, it's like one after the other. But he doesn't stop. The next clip, he's right back in there doing that again. Well, that's what has to happen. To, excuse me. <laughs> that's what has no, to no, happen. Keep to going. Us. Keep going. We have to be so, so intense on that desire that no matter how many times what we even try to do might come back and you know, have the wrong result. We just keep going again. We just keep going again. That is encouraging ourselves in the Lord. You can sit there all day and quote scripture, but if you don't do something, it may not come out the way you want it. You might get encouraged in here, but you're going to have to have action. Everybody say action. You're going to have to step out and confront that devil where he's trying to discourage you or he will win. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. How many of you like me as a kid? I always rooted for the coyote. I wanted to win one time. Anybody at all? but I got a few, yet. Yeah, I always won that coyote just to get a piece of that bird or whatever it was. But how many of you don't even know what we're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you we got a lot of young faces. We got a lot, yeah, a lot of young faces here. I should have played the cartoon. I want to recap this real quickly for you. Uh, I, I, uh, one other scripture. It's in Numbers chapter 30 and 31. When, when, when the spies went out to, to spy out the land, uh, Moses uh, or, uh, got the word from the Lord to send them out there. And God had told them exactly what was going to be in the land. So everything was exactly what God said. The 12 spies went out and saw exactly what God said. They all came back. Now, they also saw, in addition to that, giants. They saw fortified cities. They saw the descendants of Anak. But they saw everything that God said, and God said, I am giving it to you. Ten of the spies came back, and they had lost their courage. These were leaders. These were strong men, and these were leaders that were handpicked, and they came back, and they had lost their courage because not only did they see what God said would be there, they saw something additional to it, a little bit of a disappointment to them, and that discouraged them, and they came back and turned all of that multitude of people against the will of God. Two of the spies stood up. They hadn't lost their courage. They said, God said, that land is ours. We are well able. The ten that said no said, we are not able. Four words spoken, four words by two spies with courage, four words with ten spies without courage. They picked the disappointment, and it cost them what God had ordained for them to have. Sometimes our biggest disappointments is not going to stop you from having what God wants you to have when he wants you to have it unless you allow it to be a disappointment. Take your eyes off of what God told you he would do. Get your eyes off on something the enemy wants you to look at, and you will focus on that, and it will draw you away from what God has. Let's stand to our feet. Good word, honey. Good example you had there. Praise God. All of us from time to time will be disappointed. Deal with it quickly. Get over it. 
and get back in the race and take off and learn something from it, whether you caused it or whether somebody else caused it. You're not looking for disappointment. You're looking for the victory that you have, and we look and see what God said and nothing else. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to let Pam pray for you in just a moment, but before she does, I want to ask you this question. Are you sure and do you know that if you died today, you would go to be with Jesus? The Word of God is very clear. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He defeated the powers and principalities of darkness. He took away your sin. And once you allow Him to come into your heart and remove that sin, your eternity is assured through the blood. Maybe you're here and you're like a prodigal prodigal son, prodigal daughter, prodigal child. You know that you have walked away from God. He loves you, and he's reaching out to you by his spirit. And all over this church, if I have described you, you say, Pastor, that's me. I know my life isn't right with the Lord. I need Jesus. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray for you. We're going to take just a moment. Yes, I see your hand all the way back there. And we're going to wait just a while. It's between you and God. The Holy Spirit will be speaking if that's you. Yes, I see your hand over here. Yes, over here. Yes. Are there others? See, see, God knows where you are. And if you're here today and, and Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, or if you have walked away from him because God loves you so much, through his spirit, he's speaking to you right now. But you're away from him. Are there others you say, pray for me? I know, I know that I am not right with God. Take just a moment. All of you that lifted your hands, maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you know that the Lord is speaking to you. Come down to the altar real quickly. Ushers, help us there. With, yeah. Give them a hand as they come. This section, this section over here, right over here, all the way back here. Yeah, give them a better job. You do a better job, give them a hand. The angels in heaven are rejoicing at this very moment. Yes, hallelujah. Is there someone over in this section I don't really remember, but come right up on here with me, sweetheart. Come on up here. Stretch your hands out toward them, and let's pray. I want all of you to pray this prayer with me. That's all right. He can stay right there, honey. Go ahead and pray for him. Let's all pray this prayer right now. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. ask you to come into my heart, take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you. Now, Father, I thank you for every person that prayed that prayer. Lord, that there is a plan, there is a purpose for our lives, for their lives that has never, ever changed. And Lord, I thank you that in the precious name of Jesus, they will run the race that you have for them. They will run it with endurance. Dan, would you pray for him? They will run that race with endurance. I thank you for this sister that you have brought us. Lord, that in the name of Jesus, there is this plan and this purpose for her life. And I thank you for Brandon. Thank you for all that 
he has to give to you, Lord, and that all that you have to give to him to be all that you've called him to be. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, go ahead, honey. Father, we pray right now for uh, everyone in this room. How many of you would say, I've been, I've been uh, disappointed and I, by, by that message. I may have gotten over into discouragement. Maybe that's you. Yeah, lift your hands up. God sees those hands. He sees your hands. And believers, I want you to look around right now. Put them up there real high because I'm going to ask people to put their hands on you. The Bible says we lay hands on the sick. We lay hands on people where the enemy's gotten a place and trying to bring destruction. We believe God and trust God in this house. You may be here today and you say, well, I've had that happen in the past. I want to tell you, God wants every person to live free from discouragement because he came through Jesus Christ to encourage us that there are answers for every situation. And they are answers for good and not for evil. They're they're answers that are going to bring life and not death in Jesus' name. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over this discouragement in the name of Jesus. And we call life where that place came and, and inhabited your life, that word, that action, that thing that happened in your life, whatever it was that took up a root in your life and now is holding you captive. We loose you today in the name of Jesus from that stronghold. In Jesus' name, we say, no, devil, you have no right. You have no place. You have no place here. And we thank you, Father, that that the Holy Spirit will rise up now on the inside of him and bring courage, courage beyond your understanding. I pray that right now, courage beyond your ability to understand, because those disappointments you may never understand, but the courage that God will give you will cause you to rise above what you cannot understand. It will cause you to take a stand where the enemy has been beating you down and to rise up. I command your spirit man inside of you, rise up right now in Jesus' name and take your place in this person's life, every person's life who has their hand up. It is not over. It is not over. I say that to some of you. Some of you felt like, you know, it's just over. It is not over. It is not over because God said he will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God is still working. God sees and he will be faithful to his word in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's give God praise today. Wednesday night, be here. Hallelujah. God, I'll have a great word for you in Jesus name. Go and be blessed.